1: Let's begin by giving someone an opportunity to win a $25 gift certificate to Sorgles out in Wexford if you're the 10th caller at 412-922-1020. But we also hope you'll use that other number, 866-391-1020, to call in with any of your gardening questions. You can also reach Doug Oster and Jessica Waller at DougEverybodyGardens.com, both, of course, from the Tribune Review, by going via Dollar Bank, instant access, kdkradio.com, and you can text them at the right automotive line, the best deal in town. Ladies and gentlemen, always the best deal in town when it comes to your gardening needs. Doug Oster and Jessica Walliser.
2: Good morning. I am Doug Oster from Everybody Gardens and the Tribune Review.
0: And I'm horticulturist Jessica Walliser. Let's
2: talk gardening. You're going to be very proud of me. Am I? I'm g- growing turnip greens.
0: Good for you. Are you actually going to eat them? Oh, yeah. Okay. I
2: actually, when I've grown t- turnips before, I've only eaten the greens.
0: You don't like the root?
2: <laughs> it's not that I don't like it. Okay. I just usually never get one. I usually just have, okay. you know, I'm planting yep. late. These, yep. these are called seven-top uh, turnip. And so it's just, it's basically bread to grow greens. It's an heirloom that's just for greens. And I guess uh, turnip salad was a big deal up till about the 1920s.
0: (laughs) Ew, raw? I don't know. I'm not sure I'd like them raw. No, I I think it's. I think it's wilted.
2: Okay. That makes sense. Wilted with, with, you know, bacon greens. Bacon dressing. (laughs) 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 Yeah. i say hot bacon dressing. Something very good for you and something very bad for you. That's
0: right. That's how they come. I'll be curious to see how you like them. Have you eaten turnip greens before? Yeah, I like
2: them. Okay. You know, I, I like all greens. Yeah. I like all greens. I don't know, you know, whenever I go look for seeds and I find some kind of weird green in there, whatever it is, I always grow it and it always works out, you know. I just mix it in with other things. I have something in the garden though. I think deer might have got in there. Oh, Took no. some of my my have some flopping tithonia, which is not nothing that really deer like, but the way that the teeth marks are it's like a crunched up mm. so
0: it's,
2: yeah and hope i prefer it be dearer than groundhog yeah because well, they're it's... after the swiss chard which is up in a container oh you know so it's not yeah. a rabbit okay even though i know there's a rabbit running around in there somewhere yeah. but it's not a rabbit so
0: we and, should do the flower test you yeah know the flower yeah test, right? We got rain coming though yeah you know, well, for, for people who don't know what the flower test is, if you're not sure what critter's eating your plant. Yeah,
2: it's not flower, it's flour. F
0: L O U R, sprinkle a layer of flour around the plant and then go out and check the next morning and see whose footprints are in the flower. It actually works quite well. You know, you're never sure if it's a bunny or a deer or Yeah, they
2: have only been in once, hog. so I think I must have left the gate open, but I'm gonna keep an eye on it because tomorrow I have to film planting. <laughs> Turnip greens, oh. beets, uh, leeks. The leeks, I'm not worried about. Arugula, I'm not okay. worried about. But uh, I just, I'd hate to plant beets and and see them go. Yeah.
0: What are you gonna do if you go out to that flower and you see like little tiny human footprints? <laughs> yeah. Be like there's a pixie living in your garden.
2: That's gonna be interesting.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Sam, the, going, Max, I'm, the Wonder Dog. I'm, I'm sure would have ra- gotten it. I'm a-
2: going right down to the neighbors, and I'm gonna pitch a fit. There you go,
0: right? <laughs> they won't they won't put you in the uh, <laughs> the, the, the neighbors. Put you won't put you in the uh, asylum for claiming to have a pixie in your garden. So. We'll
2: be talking trees a little later on with our friends from Davy Tree. Uh, got lots of questions for them today. If you've got a, a gardening question all about trees, uh, he'll be here about 7:30 Rob Cruel Jack and What else is going on in your garden?
0: You know what? I haven't had much time to spend in my garden, to be honest with you. Although I have to say I was in an event yesterday and I came out of the event at about five o'clock in the afternoon and I actually had gone into the event at like eight o'clock in the morning. So I hadn't been outside all day and I couldn't get over how cool it was. So I'm not sure what the temperature forecast is for today yet. We haven't haven't heard the weather, Um, but I hope it's cooled off. I hope we're done with the super hot. Am I wrong? You're looking at no, no, me like No, I'm no, wrong. no, you're right. No, it looks okay. like it
2: looks like 70s all week. Yeah. You know, which is is nice. Yeah, that was not for me.
0: No. I finally have some dahlias blooming though, which is good. <laughs> I was a little late putting them in and you know, they took their time growing and then we had that really dry spell and so they didn't <laughs> want to do their thing right but they finally of course just started blooming so i'll probably get a few weeks of bloom out of them and then we'll get a frost and that'll be that but i guess a few weeks of bloom is better than none at all yeah they'll probably
2: go another three weeks
0: do you you grow any yeah i put some
2: in mine are kind of finishing actually mine are kind of like on their way out so but they were they were nice you know nothing big uh I wish I would have, you know, I always save the tubers, but whether I get them in or not, you know, they end up in the greenhouse and with everything else that's in there, I I lose track and then, you know, I give stuff away.
0: Yeah. And you know what else I'm going to do this week? I vowed that I'm going to do it. I'm going to stop down at Sorgles and get um, a soil test kit because they have the soil test kits from Penn State because I really wanna test uh, my soil around my blueberries. And fall is a great time to do that for anybody out there that has blueberry bushes. If you grow blueberries, you should know that they do really like acidic soils. Um, It helps them get iron, access iron better. And, uh, and so this is a good time to take that soil test because you get the results back faster in the fall yeah, than you do should, in the spring. No one's using the lab. That's right and then also you can put the fertilizer if you're going to use an organic soil acidifying fertilizer something like Hollytone, or you can use elemental sulfur to do it if you put it down now by the time spring arrives you have your soil pH is effectively changed it, it takes a little while for that to happen and so that really hooks you up for a good spring a good bloom season good fruit production so now is actually a great time to do those soil tests and they only cost you what i think 12 bucks or something like that nine bucks nine bucks and even if you only pay attention to your soil ph that's the thing you got to know because blueberries especially are sensitive to it so but you could do one for your vegetable garden as well and that's going to help you know how much lime to add to adjust the ph
1: all right, uh, ladies and gentlemen, congratulations in order to Jenny from Baden, winner of that $25 gift certificate from Sorgles. We've got a lot of folks that want to talk to these, two, so stay with us. We're going to get to your phone calls next on KDK Radio. Good morning. By the way, Doug is wearing his Bobby Jones knickers today. So <laughs> tell the world, you know, I love Oakmont, and I'm, this is a this is a big story, breaking news.
2: Well... I went to the Oakmont Country Club to speak to the Garden Club there, and Mm -hmm. I became an honorary member of the Oakmont Garden Club. So (laughs) that's pretty
0: cool. You've been working with them for a long time on the tomato project, right? Funny
2: thing is, that's Penn Hills actually. Oh, okay. Sorry. Uh, I love going there because uh, we have uh, friends there Mm -hmm. uh, that used to come see us at Giant Eagle. Mm -hmm. You know, Uh, Reed works at the golf course. He's the one that gave me the story. About the uh, vegetable garden that was at Oakmont Gu- Gu- Country Club, um, you know, back in the 70s, and Bob Ford, when he was a young man, who's uh, worked he, there. Yeah, worked in the in the garden. He told me all about the garden. So yeah, it's uh, Barb and Reed, our uh, friends of ours there, and uh, so yeah, it was awesome. Uh, it the was only very, way, uh,
1: very honored. The only way I could describe it is. I sure it's kind of like how the folks felt when Jed Clampett moved to Beverly. Hills. That's, that's big. <laughs> you
2: know what I love about Oakmont Country Club? No, Everything. No cell phones. Nope. No cell oh, phones. Really? Yeah, you're not allowed to talk a so You got to go to the little. You got to go into this little booth to use a cell phone. Okay. I love it.
1: Like Listen, Doctor Who. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> not that not that either one of you are a golf historian or am I, but I love the game. And I, I was sitting on the outdoor patio one day, looking at a a flag, a pin, and it, you know it was kind of. Uh, flapping in the wind, and I thought, over that hill at one time came a guy by the name of Bobby Jones and all the other greats, Palmer and Nicholas, the great heritage and history and throat got a little lumpy tiger woods. That's a, that's a, a surreal place for sure. And then I was thinking about Caddyshack, so... <laughs> Bill Murray, here he comes. All right, we got a lot of dollar bank instant access messages. We got some right automotive text messages, so let's get to some of them right now. Uh, lost a large area, very established uh, grouping of bearded irises this past year. The Crown suffered some sort of rotter decay question is what do i do in that area of the garden oh that's disappointing be nematodes or something Uh, i
0: would suspect it was more iris borers than anything else Um, and so one of the most important things that you can do with your german bearded iris is that make sure that you clean up the foliage at the end of the season normally i tell people to let their garden stand through the winter and do your cleanup in the spring because it's better for pollinators and other insects but in the case of german bearded iris that foliage is where the uh, iris borer eggs are, f- that w- are going to infest the plants next year, and they eat the rhizomes. So I suspect it was probably a combination of that, and then maybe there was a little bit of rot due to all the rain we had. Um, you never want to mulch on top of German bearded iris. There's nothing to say you can't put iris back in that area. Just make sure that you keep the rhizomes up above the soil level, and that um, you know you don't mulch heavily, and that you you know clean up the foliage. What in the do you fall. do
2: for iris borers?
0: There are some nematodes, there are beneficial nematodes that are these microscopic little roundworms that you can spray on the soil um, in the area, but it's much, much easier to just make sure that you clean up every last bit of iris foliage in the fall.
1: All right, one more here. What do you do with uh, unusual ground cherries? I have tons of green and split fruit, but I'm afraid if I scatter them, the toxicity will harm the wildlife and also become invasive.
0: Okay, so if you're talking about the edible ground cherry, which is a close, it's in the tomato family. It looks a little bit like a miniature tomatillo. So it's got like a papery husk around it. If you're growing that and you grew it from seed as a specific vegetable crop, you know that it's edible and they are wonderful to eat. But Mm -hmm. there are some plants that are wild that are, you know poisonous that look a little bit like that so if you planted it from seed or from a plant that you bought from a nursery you know you're good to go um and i'm not sure what she means by what do you do with them does that mean that Yeah. what
2: are the wild plants that are then that, they have like a
0: yeah so like they're in the nightshade family too and they do have a papery oh. husk like that um but the ones that you get from the from the garden plants are actually quite delicious
2: and, and kind of would act like a tomato if you spread spread those out there they might volunteer for you they will
0: volunteer for you not yeah going to
2: be be a big deal is it
0: they don't get super invasive but they do reseed i have a few that come back to my garden every year i only leave one or two plants go i pull the rest of them out um at the end and that's because at the end of the season i do harvest them all i mean they're called ground cherries because they're ripe when they fall off of the plant so you do have to pick them all up if you want to you know enjoy them in the kitchen and then if you don't want them to seed make sure that you pick all the fruits up at the end of the season
2: you know i've only been i was at an event for the garden writers maybe you were there in buffalo some kind of event Mm -hmm. and they had a giant giant bowl of ground cherry they are so good yes and i was just i wouldn't leave the bowl you know yeah people were like what are these things i'm like oh uh, nothing just go there's some some cheese over there (laughs) go go get the cheese
0: you can make jams out of them pies jelly i mean they're they're just the uh, chutneys yeah a lot of great recipes online for them too
1: all right, Joanne in Robinson for Doug and Jess, organic gardeners, KDK Radio. Good morning, Joanne.
0: Good morning. I called a couple of weeks ago regarding the spraying of about a half a block of my a 30-year-old forsythia and some trees that died. And she said that if I would get the name of the spray, that she could tell me when I could replant or what should be done. Mm-hmm. The company told me they only sprayed the following K-R-E-N-I-T-E. All right. And yet yet these 30-year-olds are dead, every one of them, plus the lantus tree that was behind them as well. Right. So this is a brush killer. Um, It's a a little bit harsher, actually quite a bit harsher, than the glyphosate that makes up something like Roundup. It sure as heck is not organic. Um, It is water soluble so they dilute it with water before they spray it. I'm going to have to do let me do a little bit of research during the break here and during the news break at the bottom of the hour and see if I can find out um how the, what the residual is in that uh on that product. So I'm going to do so stick around after after that news break, okay?
2: Sounds like some nasty stuff. I
0: should have them dug up and then maybe the ground ploughed. Well, may, I, I probably not ploughed. I for most cases like that when we talk about Remediating a soil like that. It's actually the addition of compost, uh, which has a lot of beneficial microbes in it that help can help digest and process those types of chemicals out of the soil. Um, But there's definitely going to be a waiting period uh, that also will play a role in that. So keep listening. And after we come back after the 730 news break, I'm hoping to have a little bit more advice after I can do a little bit of quick research.
1: All right, 866-391-1020, Dollar Bank, KDK then access com, And don't forget, coming up, Talking Trees, Davey Trees, Rob Cruel Jack is here. And we also want to invite you to stick around next hour for the Coons Cooking Hour on KDK Radio. Here's Bethany in Allison Park. Good morning, Bethany. How are you? Welcome to KDK Radio. Good morning.
2: I'm fine, thank you. I hope the same for you. I have a question about some holly that I planted. I went to a very reputable nursery, and I got two holly bushes that were told that were i was told were male and female they're planted about eight feet away from each other and they've been in for about three years and i have yet to see one red berry and i don't understand is there a problem is there something i can do or can you explain to me what might be going on
0: what type of uh holly are they do you know i want to say is
2: it would there if one be a
0: princess Okay, so are they blue hollies, like blue Japanese hollies? Do you happen to remember anything about that? Because There's like a blue princess and blue boy, and there's uh, different types of cultivars of them. I'm guessing that you have a Japanese holly and not like an American holly, but they still do need a male and a female plant. Have you seen any flowers on the plants? Yes, I
2: have seen flowers, and then I have seen real small, about the size of BBs, little berries, but then nothing happens.
0: Okay, so they might. there's a couple guesses, and without seeing it's hard to know, but they might not be getting pollinated fully. So what happens is, and this happens in the vegetable garden all the time and certainly on other plants, when the bees aren't active enough when they're in flower, they don't move enough pollen. It actually isn't just one bee that has to visit a flower in order to pollinate it to get that berry. It's multiple visits. So if you don't have enough bee action going on, you might not get a berry set as a result of that. Um, That could be it. It could be that one is male and one is female. It sounds like at least you have at least one female. If you have two females, then there's no pollen around at all. So that could be an issue as well. You'd have the little start of the berries, but they didn't actually get pollinated because there's no plant can around. And
2: you tell when they're flowering if one's a female and one's a male? You
0: can, and you can actually look up. I'm imagining there's probably pictures online that you can look up um, a male Japanese holly flower and then a female Japanese holly flower. And when they're in bloom, you can see the the difference. It's actually pretty clear to be able to see the difference between the males and the females.
2: Well if it's a bee situation, what do you do about
0: that? Right That's a good question. So you stop using pesticides right because they affect our bees as well and plant lots of flowering plants in and around your garden that are very bee friendly and that will naturally boost the population, which will help um, get you better berry set on those as well. Okay okay good shot. all you. right, thank you. All
1: right, good stuff. we got lots more to come including talking trees with Davy trees. And then it's the Coons Cooking Hour. And then it's going to be Belinda Schlagenhaut, Ray Ballantyne. Of course, Heffern Tillotson, Your Money and You. Morning commentary. asti the advisor. segment with Jamie from... 9 a.m. until 11, then everything that is sports, including another Sunday in the National Football League. Steelers off there at Tampa Bay tomorrow night, but plenty of games to get to. We'll walk the line with Ted Arnault coming up in the uh, 12 o'clock hour. But, of course, we'll talk Pirates baseball, pit football, lots to get to in the first hour, including the Penguins who are headed to training camp. So it is the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday show today at 11 a.m. on KDK Radio. CBS Radio News minutes away, and then more of your calls on the Organic Gardeners KDKA Radio. Good morning. All right, before we get to Rob Kruljack and Doug and Jeff and more of the organic gardeners and talking trees with Davy Trees, let's take the 10th caller now to win a $25 gift certificate from Janoski's. That number is
2: 412-922-1020. We are joined by Rob Krueljack from the Davy Tree, and we're going to talk pruning today. When does pruning begin? When do we think uh, major pruning Starts.
3: Um, a, a lot of trees are fine to prune all year long, but the best time to prune is definitely during the dormant season through the winter months.
2: If I'm going to be out there uh pruning now, yes, uh, what kind of things should I think about not pruning? You know, well, like a, we're, if, we're if we're talking about dogwoods or talking about something that would bloom th- in the spring, th- exactly.
3: You don't want to remove material that will bloom in the spring, dogwoods, crab apples, that sort of thing. Wait till that's rhododendron,
2: and azalea, yep. yep.
3: Um, and really, during the, the summer months, thing and earlier, you know, the more stricter rules apply to like oaks and elms. Um, we have oak wilt in the area, which is really bad. It's a disease transmitted by a beetle. Your tree gets oak wilt. The leaves fall off in three weeks, and it's dead. Nothing
2: yeah, we don't. Do about it. When do we? We don't prune oaks until when? Until they're completely dormant, or
3: November through mid-April. Okay, to, it's kind of weather dependent on this. You know, the, the temperatures where the beetles active and the tree is flowing sap. So.
2: Is it true that uh, no matter when, if you have dead wood, you get the dead wood off?
3: Yes. Okay, yeah, that's always a good
2: idea. And how Absolutely. do we know if it's deadwood?
3: except except in oak trees okay.
2: um, yeah yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah okay that's yeah. That's don't, don't touch those oak don't trees touch those Wait until till we winter. get to november at the very earliest Correct.
3: Mm-hmm. Right. um the dead branches can be identified by uh lack of viable buds towards the tip of the branch you know that they'd be brittle and break off they wouldn't be green and uh pliable um you can often see wood decaying fungus forming on dead branches you know towards the end of the summer um and uh, like sometimes just take your pruning tool and do a little scratch test, we call it, just on the bark, just real lightly. but That'll be enough to expose any chlorophyll under the bark that would tell you if that branch is alive or
2: dead. I mean, and there's plants, like now, I wouldn't want to prune just because I wouldn't want them to put on new growth, right? Because the new growth might not harden off, or...
3: Uh, that's true as well, yep. And, and how you prune is also important because you don't want accelerated growth or suckering growth. So, you know, knowing where to prune back to as far as, like, lateral unions.
2: And yeah, stuff. you know, pruning is is an art i think it really is i mean i guess from your point do you say science or art or both
3: uh, a combination of both really. yeah i mean and, and that, uh, you know sometimes that's what separates an arborist from a you know the tree guy is right you know, knowing how to prune and properly prune
2: trees. yeah let's talk a little bit about that about the importance of having somebody that knows what they're doing cut your trees up
3: <laughs> yeah i mean you, you can really I, i've heard several horror stories people come home uh, they hired someone to prune their tree they come home and half of it's taken down and topped off and cut way back. And they just had no idea that that's what they were expecting. Um, but, you know, they trusted somebody who said they were, you know, knowledgeable, but, you know, the difference is, uh, you know, having a certified arborist, I say certified arborist, is really, you know, you're safe. In
2: that well, way. let's just talk about topping and what it is and why it's bad. Oh, topping. Um,
3: you know, if you, if you don't want a big tree, don't plant a big tree. Um, <laughs> you can't, you can't make a tree that wants to be 50 foot tall, 15 foot tall. It's just impossible. So, um, topping would be the only way to really get to that solution. And um, by topping, you're just cutting all the ends off of all the branches, which, A, um, makes it look really bad. B, um, causes the tree to grow back twice as fast as it was currently growing. So people are trying to make their tree smaller, but in essence, they're making it explode with new growth because it's trying to push out all the suckers to make up for what's been removed.
0: And then it looks ridiculous. Oh, it's
3: horrible. Yeah. It's like a <laughs> rack, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. and. Where those cuts are made, the tree doesn't have the cells to seal those wounds over when you just cut the end of a branch off. You know, the branch collar has the right cells to seal the wound over and make those like, you know, the eye you see on the side of the tree where a knot hole, that sort of thing. Um, but where uh, where trees are top, they they decay there. So now you have this accelerated growth growing out of a rotting spot on the tree. Mm-hmm. So it just, it, it sets it up for failure in the
0: future. And it makes a weaker tree. Right, People exactly. think just because it's smaller that it's going to stay stronger and be less likely to get damaged and, you know, fall in your house in a storm or something when the truth is it actually leads to a weaker yeah, tree
3: quite, over time. quite the opposite. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: What about pruning evergreens this time of year?
3: Pruning evergreens, uh, it, I only feel as, as you do when necessary again, like when they're you know, obstructing the view or, you know, up against a building or outgrown their space. You know, again, trying to shear a hemlock into a hedge, you know, and keep it like that, Hedge size—it's just—it's—it's yeah. a, it's a losing battle. Like, it, you know, you want to hedge, plant something smaller, like a you know, juniper, or you know, something that will mm-hmm. will fit that bill. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, pruning evergreens can, I guess, be done any time of year. It's a little bit different than deciduous trees. What do you think
2: the biggest mistakes are that people make in pruning?
3: Wrong time of year and and going too far you know 25 percent is the, the most we want to do really during any active season pruning you know i don't want to take more material away from the tree than necessary mm-hmm. and over thinning that's probably the biggest one you know we, we used to prune trees out to make them look like giant umbrellas you know thinking that's that yeah. was good for the tree now we call that line tailing where you're removing all the branches except for those at the very tips and it leads to branch failure because you know the wind force is applied just to the end of the branch which puts a lot of leverage on it which can Break them off, and uh, and the trees need the leaves for producing food and energy. So you know you want to keep a lot of that on there.
2: And if somebody is going to do their own pruning, talk about the importance of having the right tools.
3: Right tools, a sharp tool, bypass pruners, a nice sharp handsaw, and, um, and and go on TCIA. You know trees are good. You know look up proper pruning techniques. It's just just to know how to properly cut a branch off to prepare or prevent it from tearing down through the branch collar and kind of ruining that spot on the tree for the
2: future. And Jess is always reminding us not to spread disease between trees when pruning. Yeah,
0: I mean, if you know you're working on a tree that's diseased, I actually have, um, (laughs) surprisingly, the company is called Oster, and they actually sell a disinfectant spray for pruning yes, equipment. Yes, we do. Yes, we do. You can buy it on Amazon, which is crazy, and it's just like an aerosol spray. Mm-hmm. It's a spray disinfectant that's made specifically for pruning equipment. But someone could just use like like a Lysol spray or any disinfectant spray. Lysol
3: is good. Yeah. Um, try to avoid Clorox and you know anything bleach because it, it'll. it'll... Harm your tools, yeah. But like, yeah, fire blight. You know, if you have a, a crab apple or a pair with fire blight, you, know, you really want to sterilize that tool between every cut, or you're just going to be spreading the fungus. I the also
2: fruit. have a warehouse full of toaster ovens. If you guys are interested, <laughs> to
0: osters. No. How about the oster, oster blenders?
2: Oster toaster ovens.
0: How about the oster blenders?
2: Uh, those. Are, I, I could I, do
0: some of those for margaritas. No, you know? you'll have to go to
2: Amazon for oh, that. Oh got yeah.
0: Okay.
2: <laughs> <laughs> How did you get into doing this for a living?
3: Um, I was 15. I needed a a summer job. I wanted a summer job. And uh, my dad had a tree company come to work at our house. And he said, Hey, you might want to think about doing this for for a summer job. And I watched these guys throw this rope up in a tree and climb up there and do their thing. I was like, Yeah, I think I could get into this. So yeah, he got me a job there at 15 years old. And my mom would drop me off in the morning with my little lunchbox, my little water jug. And (laughs) I just never looked back all through high school, uh, moved out to Wyoming for after high school back to Pitt. Went to Pitt, worked for another company through college, and started uh, my own company.
2: And we don't want regular people climbing up with ropes in their trees. They shouldn't be up there above the first level, should it, they? It, if the someone shows host. up
3: with a ladder and nothing else, then yes, you should ask them <laughs> politely to leave and look for someone else. Well, yeah. then I'm also and talk- no spikes, you know, <laughs> if, <laughs> right? Yeah, okay, yeah. Strap on the spikes, and you know, then you you know you got the wrong person when you're yeah. pruning. It's on rope only, just climbing the tree safely.
2: All right, Rob, stick around. Right. For more information about Davy Tree or ask what's going on with your trees, go to www.davy.com slash kdka. And don't forget, you can always call the experts at Davy Tree at 855- 982-TREE. That's 855-982-8733.
1: Hey, congratulations to Jane from Scott Township, winner of that $25 gift certificate from Janoski's. We'll come back more on the organic gardeners. Then we make way for the Coons Cooking Hour right after CBS Radio News at 8 o'clock. Good morning. All right. Justin's got some unfinished business. and we're going to get to your phone calls in the final couple of minutes of the Organic gardening program. Go ahead, Jessica.
0: Yeah, so I wanted to um, address the woman who called earlier about the brush killer that was sprayed on her roadside and uh has left her with nothing but dead forsythia. And once that she found out that it was um Crenite that they were using, it's I'm sorry, actually what is it called? Creonite. K-R-E-N-I-T-E. And it this is a registered herbicide, so the average Joe I don't think can get a hold of it. I think you have to be a, a certified applicator. But it's an a, ammonium salt. That they use. And it's sort of a tricky product because once it's a, when it's applied to deciduous um, trees and shrubs or brush in the summer, usually around mid-summer into early fall, it actually doesn't show any signs of killing that plant until the following year when the plant does not leave out. It kills the buds um, in that growth. So it's sort of a trick, right? You know, know, oh, I didn't see them apply and now everything is dead. Well, that's because they did it the previous year. So what I found on the Cornell University um, Cooperative Cooperative Extension website was that uh, it does say that it's fairly rapidly decomposed by soil organisms and the half-life in the soil is between two and six months. So if you wait about a year uh, to plant, uh, replant something, you should be fine. I would get some compost in that area before replanting just to make sure that you have a lot of good soil biological activity going on there that could help process it. But it's applied primarily to the foliage. And so therefore the the residual activity in the soil isn't as great as some other products that in addition to killing the brush will also, um, you know, keep things from germinating in the soil. So there are products that do that as well.
2: One thing I was thinking about is that if she does put something in the same place, she has to put some kind of signage up saying- You
0: definitely have to put signage up. Do no, not spray. No yep. spray. Yep. You have to do that because uh, otherwise that's what they're going to do. They're just going to come and
2: From your spray. experience, does that work?
0: Does what work? Putting up the signs?
2: Yeah. Will they, will they. I think
0: so. Yeah. I mean, you have to put it at both ends of the area, right? And I think they have probably each- Borough probably has some regulation about the size of the sign and what wordage you have to use on it. So I would make sure that you contact your your municipality to find out what their regulations are with it. Unless it's like a PennDOT road, then you might have to contact PennDOT about that. I'm, I'm not sure to do a little bit of investigating but it's not as bad as it could be for that woman i mean it could it could have been a, a lot worse and there's certainly this is not a product i would ever recommend using but there certainly could have been a lot worse okay that's my answer
1: all right <laughs> thank you let's go right back to the phones and say hi to um ann in vanderbilt or is that griff that's vander griff go ahead ann and uh good
0: morning good morning, morning. Have, good morning i have, cut my irises back and now they're starting to grow and they're about six inches high what am i going to do now i would wait until they get frosted Um, once we get one or two hard frosts it's okay to go ahead and cut those off again uh if you heard me talking to the uh person, actually I think that was an instant access message that we got earlier, you do want to make sure that you clean up iris foliage at the end of the year rather than letting it overwinter only because of that iris borer. Yeah, I do that. Yep, yep. And that rose bush that I had that I would asked you about before was the knockouts Mm-hmm. And I, how far down do I cut that? You do any pruning of roses should be done in the spring. Don't do it this yeah, time I of year. Know. Yeah, so um, it depends. Usually, sh- It depends on what you want, right? So if it's in a place where it can grow to its full potential, only prune out what's dead uh, in the spring. So just prune out your dead wood. You don't, if you, oh. if, yeah, you can cut it back harder than that if you want. If you want to sort of keep a more... um you know, smaller size on it. Although, again, it's going to eventually grow as large as it needs to grow. But if you want to start back at a smaller size, maybe keep the branches a little sturdier, a little stockier. Then you can cut it back as far as like 18 inches from the ground. But I usually oh. just cut the dead out of mine, and that's that. Oh, good. Okay. And I can put. Can I put bulbs in now? Oh
2: yeah. 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 In fact, yep. uh, Jess, I've been having people comment saying it's too warm to put in bulbs but i don't believe that i'm i've started planting my bulbs right now and uh, as we do every uh this time of the year (laughs) every year beg you to to put some bulbs in because there is just there's nothing better than seeing those bulbs blooming in the spring it's just absolutely wonderful and there's just so many different varieties out there and I do mine with a ball bogger. How do you plant yours?
0: Usually by hand, because mm-hmm. I have some some roots through some of my beds and tree roots, and the ball bogger doesn't always go easily. I
2: posted something about the ball bogger, and a woman from Connecticut, uh, <laughs> she's like, uh, no, I have, I have glaciers. Glacier yeah. rocks. Yeah,
0: if you got big big rocky soil, that's not going to work
2: Ooh, for we'll you. We'll be back. Thanks to Rob Krujcik from Davy Tree, and remember, the organic gardeners always aim to create a better
0: place to garden. And a safer place to live.